Hey guys, welcome in again to the Happy Haven Podcast. Uh, we have Jeremy Sincer on again, the fabled storyboarder from the Great White North, America's Hat, Canada. And uh, there is a break in the middle. I do explain it. This was done over two phone calls, but as usual, super funny dude, and we have great conversations. So if you just want to relax and listen to a couple guys nerd out, enjoy. Not much. How you doing? Pretty good. It's just me this time. Um, I know last time you were on the show, there were two of us. Uh, sometimes life gets busy, so it's just been me for six, seven months now. <laughs> yeah, I remember you mentioning that a little while ago, like when we first started talking about having me back on, which was a while ago, granted. But yeah, uh, yeah, I remember you mentioned like, was it just was it just family stuff, or was it like what's happening? Uh, family stuff, new job. I guess they, uh, I think they moved to a new house, so it was, everything kind of all coalesced at once. So, I totally understand, that, that, you know. Yeah, no, you gotta do what you gotta do. I mean, I haven't done mine in a fuck, I don't even know how long, so. <laughs> I know, and you, you, yours was, I like the people you were having on. Yeah, I'm gonna get back into it again, I just I gotta make sure that I, that when I start, I can start, like, do it consistently, do you know what I mean, so. I'm um, actually, yeah, I run into that every once in a while where I look and I'm like, I haven't put anything up in a couple of weeks, but, you know, with what I do, uh, holiday season, you know, the other facet of, you know, retail, the store side, they're going to be like an ant colony that's pissed off until like New Year's. <laughs> so we kind of get sucked into that, even though, you know. No, seriously. Where do you, where do you work? I mean, I, I mean, I work for um, a retailer. And, but I do their facility side, so it's all the physical operations and working with vendors and contract cleaners and doing yeah, in-house totally. repairs and da-da-da, but, you know. Yeah, no, I used to work at Ikea, so I, I know. <laughs> yeah. And this time of year, it's just... Yeah, it's crazy, and it's going to be crazy probably until the, end of, until the end of January, realistically, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean I, I just do what I normally do and try to get away from it and avoid it, but, it, yeah, it gets crazy. No doubt. But, I mean, I've been following stuff that you've been doing this year, man. You've had some crazy cool projects going on. Yeah, I've uh, I've done some good... This has been a good year for me, actually, yeah. Uh, uh, it's been kind of it's been kind of weird. I mean, the, the usual shows are going well and uh, keeping me busy, but then I managed to, uh, I managed to, to get some stuff, like some other stuff, some pretty exciting projects out over the summer which was cool like Deadpool and uh, I mean well, I did Game of Thrones last year but I mean right. the episodes aired this year so uh, so that was pretty exciting too <laughs> yeah I know I was like I saw the Deadpool 2 thing I was like that's insane so what I mean it, it was just storyboarding like you do for the CW shows and like you did for Game of Thrones or yep yep just straight ahead storyboarding it was an interesting uh, a different uh, sort of situation there because it's uh, uh, there were four of us, first of all, in the room, which is cool, because uh, you get to bounce ideas off of people, which, uh, when I'm working at home alone, I mean, I guess I could bounce them off my wife, but I mean, she doesn't really care, so <laughs> it's right. not, quite as, not quite as productive. Uh, but it was good, because, uh, uh, well, it's, again, like with, with The Flash and Supergirl, because I do so many different, uh, or I work with so many different directors, 
uh, there's a different style for just about every episode, right? So sometimes you get directors who are like super like uh, like meticulous with their shot lists, uh, and so you you know don't give you really any any uh, opportunity to to sort of experiment or do and or sort of add your own uh, to it. Uh, although most people are pretty good if you if you add something good, I mean they're usually pretty cool. Uh, but Deadpool was an interesting situation because um, because the script was one thing, and uh, we were taking the script and sort of uh, how do you say like almost not I wouldn't say rewriting the script, but some of the action beats were just sort of vague enough in the script that when you took the actual locations that we were in and. Uh, uh, and and some of the the actual like practicality of some of the stunt work and stuff that we actually got to sort of work from the script almost a little bit backwards where the director would give us like sort of what what you would call like a beat sheet which is essentially taking the script and giving a very vague very loose sort of interpretation of things that that they need to see in the scene but then otherwise saying okay but board it like the final edit would be so you end up you end up taking the information that they give you on the beat sheet, which is hitting specific things from the script. But really, you get to fill in a lot of the the, the sort of connective tissue in and around it. And plus, uh, David Leach, who's the director of Deadpool 2, was like super cool about, in fact, he encouraged us, uh, if you come up with something that you like, put it in, pitch it to me, and we'll see what happens. So... Uh, it was pretty cool. We had um, we had uh, sort of a daily visit from him uh, during prep. So before he got uh, to shooting, uh, he would come into the into the storyboard room, and uh, and each one of us would sort of pitch our our ideas, the the, the things that we had done for that day, essentially. Uh, and he he would love some of it, and he would uh, and he would say, eh, maybe not that, maybe try this instead, that type of thing. Right, and, but still, uh, it sounds like you had some artistic freedom to work with. I'm pretty sure that that I like out of my own brain. Uh, I mean, it always depends on the final edit, but I think that out of my own brain, there's at least three or four, if not five or six, things that I pitched in the storyboards uh, that he ended up shooting. So oh. whether they end up in the final edit or not. Uh, remains to be seen, but that's with any with any movie. So, I mean, I spent uh, last year I worked on a movie called Death Note, which came out on Netflix uh, earlier this year. Oh, you worked on that? I did. I storyboarded that too. Yeah. Oh wow! You know, I still haven't watched it. It was fun watching like people be optimistic about it and watch how excited the people, you know, the director and the composer that that you know they're pretty big on Twitter with getting out there and talking, and then watching like the weird, rabid anime fan base people, like... Kind of, yeah, kind of proceed crap. to crap all over the yeah. My problem, yeah, my problem with, with those people and the people that, uh, that, that did that very actively sort of crapping on Death Note before they even... Well, they didn't, they never even gave it a chance, really. Right. I mean, they, they, they entered into that expecting to hate it. Right, and, which is closed-minded and ignorant makes you look like a child. Yeah, you know, uh... <laughs> But and it's just like well like I don't understand why that's like why would anybody want to enter? I tend to go into movies specifically hoping to enjoy myself. Otherwise, I don't enjoy that movie. Exactly. You know what I mean? So for me, <laughs> I mean these people were looking for something to hate, and that's really kind of annoying. You know, I mean because if you go in and you watch it, I mean I hell, I mean I worked on it, uh, and so I, I I read I read some of the manga and and watched some of the anime just sort of while I was working on it. But and this may come as no surprise. 
uh, I was actually discouraged from really diving into the into the source material because the movie, the Netflix really is sort of its own thing. Right. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's, you could almost say that it's inspired by the original anime uh, rather than being like a, like a true faithful adaptation because there's a lot of changes that were made. But you're also looking at, what, it was like, what, 50 episodes, like half hour episodes of the show? And, That's what and I mean, how, yeah. however, like, however yeah. many volumes of the book, like you could only touch on so much of it, right? Exactly. Uh, in a in a two hour film, well, I think they did a great job. I actually re- was really happy with the with the end product personally. I thought it was uh, surprisingly funny, which uh, uh, you know, I mean, you get a sense of that in the script, but it was really about the direction and the performances that really brought out the humor in it, and and that was something that the, that the original was kind of lacking. And and the, to me, I feel like there's almost like a like if it was as serious as the as the anime was, I don't necessarily think that it would have worked. I think that bringing a little bit of humor to it and sort of playing parts of it as kind of a, a little almost like satirical uh, ended up working in in its favor personally. Right. Exactly. But no, like I'm, you know, I, I mean, I've seen that whenever there's certain and you know, you're you're working with with DC franchises and working with Deadpool and stuff that there's just certain people that when you touch anything they're looking for the first moment where you're not entirely filling an entire multi-year worth of canon into <laughs> like an hour and a half two hour movie and then they yeah. get foul and you're like mm. i mean you know it's if you want to do it anime style we can do it way over tell the story over the course of 10 years and then delay it five years when you get to see it and you know that's, that's the other most thing, right? Works. right? It's like, oh, did totally, you see yeah. Show? No, it's it's twenty years old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, funny, it's funny because I because I actually, you know, I mean, I, I liked the anime. I liked what I saw of it. I mean, yeah. I've never been a, a huge fan of that of a lot of those stories. For me personally, it just doesn't sort of, I don't know, it doesn't register for me. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I was pretty happy with it. Uh, I think I, I got a little sidetracked there, but like the point that I was trying to make was that we ended up doing this huge uh, uh, foot chase. Uh, sequence. I ended up spending like six weeks, I think, or, or maybe four, four or five weeks, like doing this one sequence of it was literally just a foot chase, uh, which is a long time for one sequence. And that was a big sequence. And at the end of the day, in the final cut, like even with all that meticulous planning, uh, uh, the what ended up actually in the movie ended up being about half as long. So uh, there's a whole bunch of storyboards that I did for that uh, for that sequence that that didn't end up in the final cut. Even though we were very meticulous about it, so it's kind of a it's it's there's always a bit of a of a toss up. You never really know. So that's why it's so gratifying when not only when when you can look at like the the final product and actually see your storyboard sort of realized on screen, uh, but when you actually see shots that you've come up with that came out of your own brain, make it in. That's pretty cool too. <laughs> right. Oh, I can imagine, dude. I, that that would blow my mind if I ever was like, yeah, that was that was me drawing, and now look at it. You know, happening. Yeah, there was a there was a great moment while I was watching uh, the first episode of Game of Thrones that I worked on, and uh, the the one sequence happened, uh, and it was just like I was just drawing it, and I was just like, you know what, this could use here, and I did a shot of it was for the. Have you are you caught up on Game of Thrones? Oh yeah, dude. I mean, uh, look, okay, everybody. Hey, spoiler warning. Game of Thrones <laughs> over. I don't believe in spoiler warnings because I'm gonna watch a thing and enjoy it and talk about it. So, Seriously, you have 
We're going to talk about Game of Thrones here. Blow my mind. <laughs> I just didn't want to. I didn't want to spoil it for you personally. I mean, if you're if you're on a, if you're listening to a podcast or if you're on the if you're on the line, uh, you're you're likely going to get spoiled. And we're at, we're months out from it now, right, so I'm not exactly. concerned about it. But um, so there's a sequence uh, that you may know called the Loop Train, <laughs> uh, which was like the sort of the the tent pole right in the center of the season where where uh, Jamie's uh, army gets decimated essentially by Daenerys and and, uh, and uh, Drogon and uh, what an episode you know how many times I bragged that I know the guy who storyboarded <laughs> this episode to my wife <laughs> and friends who were over who were just like yeah you told us like a bunch yeah your wife was just like alright fuck whatever dude Jesus <laughs> get over it um, so yeah anyway so there's a shot where uh, you see a guy I guess he's got a Dothraki and, and he brings the Dothraki to the ground and then he like overhead with his sword and two hands and then slams it down into the into the body just kind of like under under camera yeah and then and then and then just as soon as he does that the dragon comes in and just he just lights him up and he just burns up right yeah. uh, so that was mine I came up with that nice <laughs> yeah and so I was watching it and I was just like okay this is good like this is all the shots that we came and then that one comes in and I'm just like ew because that was mine that was mine. <laughs> And I was, you know, it's pretty cool because, you know, like like a lot of sort of as a lot like a lot of storyboard artists, I do have uh, like my aspirations to direct and stuff like that. And uh, you know, uh, when when stuff like that happens, you can realize you sort of realize to yourself that you know maybe I do maybe I do have this in me. You know what I mean? Like I think I can I could probably do this. So I mean, you've worked with a, enough good. directors and you know people, so I mean, why not? You know? I think it's a no brainer personally, and and there's. Uh, uh, well, let's just say that I'm that I'm actively pursuing things to help me pursue it. Let's just say that. So, oh man, more power to you, most definitely. So, uh, how many? Um, how many? You did two, right? For I did for two. I did two. Yeah, I did the, yeah, I did the loot train, and then I did the one directly after, which was a, a much quieter episode. Uh, I got to draw a lot of. Um, uh, ravens flying in the second episode, uh, and it's amazing how how meticulous that was because you know they 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 have such a budget on VFX and stuff like that, but they still don't want to be wasteful with it, right? So they need to really plan these things out. So so I did. Uh, there was one sequence of like simply of ravens flying uh, that I think I we must have revised like a dozen times. Like it was kind of crazy. And then uh, yeah, I also got a lot of like. At the Citadel, uh, I did draw Sam in the in the library. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then there was a there was a scene where uh, where Bran is uh, uh, communing with the with the ravens, and they all fly off from Winterfell, and then they go over the wall and yes. through the through Icelands and stuff, and then they end up at the at the uh, the Dead Army and the Night King. Yes. Yeah, that's the sequence, and it was it was huge. I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of meticulous planning necessary for that, which is kind of, I mean, you wouldn't think it's a pretty relatively simple sequence, but no, there was a lot to it. So yeah, we, we revised that one a bunch of times, whether it was, Oh, let's have the camera in front of the Ravens or from behind the Ravens. And, uh, you know, and, and so every time we went through it, the boards would end up going to the, to the higher up producers, essentially, you know, uh, Benioff and Weiss. Right. And, uh, and notes would come back down. So, you know, so Matt, who was the director, would like be like, yeah, so um, you need to put aside the scene that you're doing right now because we need to go back to the Ravens. And I'm just like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> so, so kind of funny. Did you actually do that from home or, or did you go over to, to to where they were shooting for that? 
no, I did it from here. Yeah, we did uh, we did uh, Skype sessions with uh, with the director, which I do all the time. Because the interesting thing about this director, his name is Matt Shackman, uh, and he uh, he and I met doing Heroes Reborn. We um, uh, which yeah, I just I just got called in to do that show. I mean, no, you know, no nothing special there. But he and I really hit it off. We worked really well together. So uh, just about every project that he's done since. Uh, where he's you know been able to because obviously you go onto a project and like I wouldn't I wouldn't personally appreciate it if somebody if some director came in to Flash and said oh no I have my own storyboard guy because I'm the storyboard guy for that show come on right but uh, yeah but for everything everything where he's been able to he's been he's brought me in on it so essentially we did Heroes Reborn he did another show called American Gothic last year and he brought me in on that. Um, uh, there was one other I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but uh, uh, and then when he got offered Game of Thrones, uh, he called me up uh, and he was just like, "Hey, how'd you like to do this Game of Thrones thing?" And I was just like, but he, "Let me let me drop everything else that I'm doing uh, right. so that I can so that I can do this." Uh, and I didn't. I mean, I, it was a pretty good. I mean, it was during the summer, which is good because Flash and Supergirl were uh, were uh, not in production at the time, so that gave me a little bit extra time. Uh, but I did overlap them for about a month or so, and that was a little bit rougher. I was working uh, long, long hours uh, doing that. But yeah, nine and a half, no, sorry, nine hour time difference because he was in uh, uh, Ireland and then Spain, uh, and then uh, and I was here in Vancouver. So yeah, like <laughs> so, I was working a lot. Like in the middle of the night, we'd Skype, and my wife would be asleep. I'd stay up, Skype with him, work for a couple hours, go to bed, get up, work on Flash stuff for a bit, do some Game of Thrones, do it all at the same time. And then we'd Skype again that night, probably about one or two o'clock in the in the morning. It was just it was nuts, really. So, are you working on every episode of the Flash? Like, those are your like exclusive shows. Like, you have Supergirl and the Flash. Yeah, I do Supergirl and the Flash. Right. Um, I I've yeah. I mean, if the if the episode warrants storyboards, then I then I'm the guy that they call. Did yeah. you get to work on this, this week's with Walking uh, Man? I did. Oh yeah. my god! Like. <laughs> I'm telling you, every I look at my wife every time, and I'm like, they have a better Justice League Unlimited going than the movies do. You know what's funny about like I mean, and like, and he's just great. The guy who plays Dibby? who plays Dibby yeah. is just so fantastic. He's just so smarmy, and he's just he's wonderful. Uh, I think he's really uh, now. He just got introduced this past week, but uh, and without like giving away too much uh, or really anything. Uh, he's a real breath of fresh air for the show. Like he's really, uh, he's serving. How do I say this without being? Ah, eh, whatever. He's serving the purpose uh, on this series uh, season of the show that Tom Felton wasn't able to last year, where they brought in this new blood. But but for me, because the season was so dark last year, it didn't really invigorate the show at all. Whereas this season, I, I really feel like he does. Right. And uh, and Tom Cavanaugh. Uh, did such a great job getting the performances out of him too that that it was uh, it was a great episode. It was, it was probably, probably my favorite episode in the past three years, if, if if I had to be honest. I laughed so much; he was perfect. I was like, now that's what they should have they should have given half of that levity to any version of Reed Richards they've done in a fantastic yeah, right? movie like, because yeah, yeah. But no. I'm, in a, I'm in a particularly good situation here too because I actually know the character. Like I've been reading, I've been reading, uh, you know, the comics for a while. So I mean, I know Disney, I know Elongated Man. Like going back, like I like even like like Justice League Europe of all things, you know, like way back in the day. Like, and uh, so I'm bringing a lot to this where 
where a director who's like, I mean, a lot of times the people who work on these shows are regular TV directors, but they don't know the characters very well. Yeah, like, it's not like really know. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not like that at all, right? So I, in in situations like this, like even in, in this past episode that I just that I've just been working on without and literally without saying anything of detail. Uh, I've been able to say, you know what, this would be a really great, very Dibney-esque beat. Like, this is something that he would do. You know what right. I mean? So I really feel like, so in that sense, I feel like I'm really adding to, to some of the character beats in that sense, too. And uh, I know that uh, this current director pitched something to the to the higher-ups that... Uh, um, uh, in the in the Berlanti world down down south, and uh, came back positive with it. So there again, another one of my ideas gets into the show because, and not to take anything away, but uh, the beat that I did really fit the character, and so and they loved it. So there you go. Yeah, but see, if you know the character, your beats are going to be right, and they're going to be organic because everybody who goes, holy crap, they're actually doing Dibney on primetime TV, is going to know exactly where you're coming from, and they're going to appreciate the hell out of it. You know, right. It's funny. I got the and it's. I, I managed to work a shot in for this past episode. Now, I don't think that's saying too much to say that Dibney actually becomes a recurring character. I mean, it, they've definitely set that up in this past episode. That's fine. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, I did a I did a shot in the in the storyboards for this particular episode that I'm working on right now. Um, that I've literally been trying to get in for about five episodes now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite fit in in other places, and then this time I think it really works. So we'll see. We'll see if it goes through. But uh, uh, but yeah, it's great. I'm having a lot. I'm having a lot of fun with it this year, which is good. Is there any Sue talk? Are they talking about Sue? I can't talk about that. <laughs> I tried. I tried. I'll tell you what, though. Like one of the really cool things is my wife's been into sci-fi since before she even knew me, right? But but never too much in the comic book side of things. And these shows have, like, led to so many great conversations. Like, after we watched the introduction of, of Dibney in, uh, you know, um, afterwards, we were just, like, you know, cuddling and laying around after. And I got to tell her about, you know, one of the most heartbreaking moments in all of DC Comics history is, you know, the death of Sue Dibney. And, oh yeah, and, yeah, you know. So like here, I you know here we are in bed talking about comic books, which I mean, who doesn't want that in their woman when they like what we like? And I'm getting to like page by page in my head tell her how crazy that whole story was, and just how heartbreaking the death of Sue Dibney was, and it was all because of one of the funniest episodes that the Flash has ever put up. Turned into like That's pretty great. Yeah, right? it turned into like this awesome conversation between me and her about love and what happens when your heart's broken and the consequences that ring out and how much it affects, you know, a world as hyper realistic as the superhero world when something like that really happens and hits that close to a hero and everybody who knows him and like it just inspired this awesome conversation we had. And it was all because you guys put up like the funniest flash episode you've ever had. Like it was. See, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I bet you Tom Cavanaugh would be happy to know that. So there you he go. He has the coolest role in the world. I what I love about what I love about this universe and 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 what they've created here is that I mean, and especially uh, like there's so many like there, there how many versions of Harry Wells has there been already? Like we're on version number three, I guess, right or four that that's been a regular on the show. Been a regular, like that's, yeah, yeah, that's and three. That's I what guess. I mean. That's like so, the luckiest role <laughs> in the world. Yeah. 
So how do you, you get to change it up like every year? Like HR Wells last year was was you know one of the one of the high points of the season as far as I'm concerned because he was just so different from the other yeah, Wells is. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? My wife called it the whole season. You would have been so proud of her skills of deduction. She called really? exactly what was happening. She was like, as soon as the first face swap thing was done, you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> you know, yeah, she yeah. was like, he's gonna. Spoilers, everybody, but you know we're on a new season, so sorry. She was like, "He's gonna switch places. He's gonna switch places with her. He's the one that's gonna die. He's gonna..." And I was like, "No, come on! They can't kill Wells. Come on!" And then she did it, that's and the, she just—that's the beauty of it, though. Yeah, and then she just looked at me like, "Hi, you smug son of a bitch!" <laughs> <laughs> but she called that early on last year that 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 that, that was gonna be the beat for that. That's good. I mean, I didn't even call that very, very early on. Now, granted, I'm, you know, uh, how do I put it? Uh, in order to, because I do enjoy watching the show as well. So, uh, as I think I might have mentioned this before, maybe not on your show, but uh, uh, in order to keep the show as watchable as possible for myself, I read as little as possible of the script. Right. So, I mean, obviously, I need to read the sequences that involve what I'm storyboarding, and I need to, uh, I need to read the sort of correlating sequences as well, just so that I make sure that if somebody's not supposed to be, you know, like say like, for example, this person usually has this piece of equipment on them. If this person for whatever reason doesn't have that, or if they're wearing their mask or not wearing their mask, that type of thing. Right. Um, so, but yeah, I know I try to watch it. I try to read as, as little as possible just because, <clears throat> because it makes watching the show, like when it actually airs more enjoyable. So I can see that. Yeah. Like I, I mean, yeah. I think about, it, I'm like, I would love, I, I can't draw, I draw like, I, I can't draw, but I mean like, <laughs> I would love to, I'm like, I'm like, that's a delicate way, there isn't a delicate way, and in this day and age, I don't want to say something that sets people off over something trivial. If we were talking about something political, I'd stand my ground and be like, I don't give a crap, but like, I don't want to right. piss people off over something we're talking about that I know everybody loves no matter what they believe in, so I'll just... We'll just say Jay can't draw worth a damn. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> but, like, I can see, like, working on something like that and still loving it, trying to find a way where it was not 100% spoiled. So I, I appreciate, like, I can appreciate where you're coming from with that. Well, for me, like, for me specifically, it was, like, for Game of Thrones. Like, I had to, <clears throat> I got spoiled on that more than I than I wanted to. I mean, because I like I'm I'm like a voracious watcher of that show, right? So I mean I I didn't want to know anything, and so when I started reading the script for for episode four, which is the first one that I did, like there were there had been three episodes previous to that where where stuff happened, oh, God. and I was like, you know, so I mean it starts off and I'm just like shit, I don't even know what happened in the previous episode, and I don't want to know, so I had to I had to ask specific questions right. of the director and I and I told him flat out, I said, Look, I don't want to read this whole thing. I'm gonna read what I need to, but uh if it's okay with you, I'd rather not read the whole thing. So if there's anything that I need to know or that I've drawn wrong for whatever reason, I need you to let me know. <laughs> so I gave him a warning up up front, which was kinda of funny. And the second one I ended up storyboarding almost everything, uh, like some part of almost everything, so I had to read everything, which is unfortunate. But then at least I had two episodes left to go of the season, so my my, my episodes were right in the middle, so I, I was still pretty good. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> as long as you didn't work on the finale, you got one hell of a ride at the end. That was... I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I didn't... Oh. Uh, that I didn't. But, I will, but I will tell you, 
the director at one point was just like, yeah, so I've read all the scripts and I've got this secret and I need to tell somebody, do you mind if I tell you something? And I was just like, ah, all right, what? <laughs> and he told me about the, he told me about the dragon and I was like, no, oh, oh my God, God why did I let you tell me that? <laughs> Every woman in our house. All our friends come over and watch our house. We're in Walking Dead season, so every Sunday everybody's here. During Game of Thrones season, everybody's here. Um, An entire room full of women just bawling their eyes out as this never-been-real CGI dragon hits the ground. It was brutal. It was rough, It was one of the best things I've ever seen on TV. It was rough, but it was amazing. Yeah. And like, just, it was just so well executed. I mean, it was so well done. It, and then in the finale, uh, watching uh, yeah, and just uh, be like, "Oh, that's so hard." No, seriously. And then, and and just like everybody, like Amelia Clark just sold that so well. Like she did it. She's always playing such a stoic character, and yeah, she's we've seen her do angry. And at the beginning of the series, we saw her do afraid, and then we saw her do uh, like some angry and really some stoic, really a lot of stoic. Uh, so you never get, you don't get to see her be like upset in that way, devastated in that way. You know, I mean, she just lost a child. I mean, that was brutal, and she fucking sold it, man. She was great. Yeah, I know. In that I, episode. I saw some people that were like, I wanted, like, she didn't seem to have a lot of emotional outpouring. I'm like, I, did I, you I, not I, watch? The looks on her face when she yeah. was explaining what just happened—it was so subtle. It was subtle, but it was—it was, That's it was the all way you air. really play it. There's so much yeah. shock that comes with that. But that you don't do the fall on your knees, you know, Willem Dafoe platoon scream at the sky thing in oh, real yeah, situations. Exactly. It's more of a like you just get really small and really shut quiet. down. Yeah, because your Anyways, whole, I told, right because your yeah, brain totally is like I can't comprehend. Yeah, right. So I'm just going to look like, at you like you're honest. stupid. I, right. <laughs> yeah. and, and tell you, I just lost Yeah. Get the ammo from me. I'm not going to crawl on your shoulder and sob. Get away from me right now. I really need to just sit on this parapet for a while and have yeah. nobody want a thing from me. <laughs> like, yeah, that was, that was amazing. <clears throat> but... On to, uh, did you see they're doing another, they want to do another indie movie, but they're not including Shia. Now, for me, I've never seen Crystal Skull, so I don't. You literally never saw it, eh? I never saw Crystal Skull. I had so many people be like, you know what, here's the thing. <laughs> so, I, mean, I mean, I'm such an Indiana Jones fan. I don't know if you know this or not. I, I, I um, figured. <laughs> I think we talked about it before. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think I've, uh, I, I did just put up a new uh, uh, profile picture on my uh, on my Twitter, and I do believe I'm wearing a hat, a particular hat. In oh, it, so. Almost. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, um, so, like, I mean, obviously I was there for, like, opening night. Like, I didn't even read any reviews. I didn't want to get spoiled. I didn't want to go in with anything but... The, the most hopeful expectations I could have. Now, I was already unimpressed with the trailers by that point, right? So, because I remember, I don't know if you remember or not, but there was this whole thing about how, how Spielberg was going to, like, he was talking about not uh, uh, not using computers and everything was going to be practical and all this stuff, which, I, you know, I mean, obviously that wasn't going to be true, but I think that there was a level of practical effects that he kind of, 
promised us that certainly wasn't delivered. <laughs> right, I've heard that. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, when you get into, like, you know, like, cutesy groundhogs and swinging monkeys and shit like that, obviously something's gone off the rails. Uh, so my problem is, is that I saw it, and and at first, my first initial reaction was gut-wrenching disappointment, uh, because it was terrible, um, and it remains terrible. Um, there's a couple of light, or like, sort of shining moments in the, in the movie. Uh, uh, one of the stronger aspects of the film, of Crystal Skull, is that uh, Harrison Ford, uh, even at his advanced age and whatnot, <clears throat> and after so much time still knows how to play Indiana Jones. Uh, I bought I bought the character. The situations that he was put into were awful. Uh, the, the special effects were terrible. The characterizations of everything else in the story were stupid. Uh, but he still played Indy to the point where I believed it. So that was good. Right. Um, and I had to watch it one more time to really sort of get that. Uh, but that being said, Shia LaBeouf is not the worst part of the movie. Shia LaBeouf is is fine. I think Shia LaBeouf's a pretty good actor for the most part. See, that's he's what been, I that's what I heard is that you know they're saying about putting Shia in it, and it's not because he didn't. It's not because he sucked in the movie. I mean, God, watch him in Fury. The kid can act his ass off. Yeah, he's he a, just he's, needs he's to a, you know deposit his head out of that ass that he can act off for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I agree with that. I mean, he's he's like personally, whatever you want to say about Shia LaBeouf in his personal life, right? You know, he's a, he's a weirdo, uh, and that's fine. More power to him as long as he's not hurting anybody. I don't care, right? Be be as weird as you want to be. Um, uh, but for me, like you know, there were bigger problems than him in that movie. So yeah, he gets a lot of the shit for the movie, but you know, because of swinging with monkeys and stuff like that, none of that was his fault, right? You know what I mean? He like the, the movie. The, yeah, then the movie takes place in the 50s. He's a disenfranchised youth in the 50s. Of course he's going to be a greaser. I mean, that's the sort of the Hollywood standard for that type of, for that era, right? Didn't it's they build an entire genre off of James Dean being that? Totally, exactly. Right. And that's exactly what he's what they've sort of shoehorned him into in this thing. And that's again, that's not the issue. The issue is the aliens. The issue is George Lucas, his involvement. There was a, uh, uh. for all, you know, for all... Uh, uh, by all accounts, uh, okay, and I actually have some inside information on this. Uh, there was a really good script for for this movie that Frank Darabont wrote. Uh, it had a lot. To, it had to do with uh, uh, Marion was going to come back because we love Marion. Marion's awesome. Uh, which she came back in Crystal Skull, anyways. So you know that's fine. But to no real purpose in Crystal Skull, other than to have her in it. Uh, but it was going to be about Abner Ravenwood not being dead and all of this stuff. And, you know, really, there were, there were, yeah, there were all these rumors going around because John Hurt got cast and then he was going to play Abner Ravenwood and it was going to, and it just ended up not being any of that. And the problem is, is that George Lucas came in and said, no, I want to have aliens in this. And, you know, we're going to make it a, we're going to make it like a 1950s creature feature. And that right. was like literally know, specifically what he was trying to do. I know you wrote a really good script, but, um, yeah, I kind of like the digital creatures in my movies now, and I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna do that. And, um, yeah, this movie doesn't have enough Jar Jar in it, so uh, we're gonna fans. we're gonna Jar Jar the the shit out of this Indiana Jones movie. Screw the anyway. fans, I'm George Lucas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I but so I have it like I've actually had a conversation with somebody. Who, I'm not gonna say who it is, but of course, uh, who, yeah, I would. Who, yeah. who worked on who worked on Crystal Skull? Uh, who who said that? A, the first version of the script that he read was really good, uh, and B, 
uh, when George Lucas started hanging out and having input on uh, on the script every day, like and you know and per- and it's sort of like a permanent like as soon as George Lucas came on, essentially things like like permanently like things shifted and the whole thing sort of went to hell. So you know what? Bring Shia back as long as it's a good script. I don't care. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know and, and that's as why long I brought as Shia it up. LaBeouf never ends up wearing the hat. I'm okay with that. And that's why I brought <laughs> it up. Which it seems so weird that like that's how people are like, we're gonna do another one, but no Shia. And I'm like, I've never heard people complain about his part. Oh, uh, see, ever. I have, and I think that it's been. I think that it's. Uh, I haven't. It, well, I think you probably don't pay much attention because you've never seen the movie, right? I just thought it was a weird selling point. Like, we're going to bring it back, but this time we're not going to use that guy because F that guy for some reason. And I'm like, all the complaints I heard were about shitty story. (laughs) Because there's a sequence where where Shia LaBeouf literally swings through the trees uh, with monkeys. Um, And I think people get a little, uh, like, misguided and misdirected as to the fact that that's not Shia's fault. He signed on to. In fact, he was very vocal about how about apologizing for how bad the movie ends up being. So, Aww. if anything, I kind of I almost respect him a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, that. that's just it. Like, you know, uh, I was listening. I think it was uh, one of Kevin Smith's podcasts. I think uh, he had Brandon Routh on, and this is way before he was the Adam. Yeah, I remember that. Or right, yeah, it was the one where he was talking about Superman Returns, and Brandon Routh was like, "It was my first big shot." I had signed contracts, and the script was completely different when I signed that contract. He's like, yeah. and all the changes, and we knew what it was going to be when it was done. He said, but here I am, new kid on the block, first major role. I am not going to, A, walk away from the chance to play Superman, and B, break a contract and be known as that guy in Hollywood just getting started. So I did the movie. And he, even he said, he was like, Superman Returns was not what I signed on for, like what it ended right. up being. Now, so now it happened. If I remember that interview correctly, like that was when was that he got signed on for that when McGee was still going to do it first, yeah. right? And, yeah, and all of that. So then when it changed hands a bunch of times, it was a totally different movie. I mean, so in a way, I remember him saying that he was like he felt lucky that he was still in the running to do the role because of the because of the change in sort of management, as it were. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, you could, you consider yourself lucky. I mean, I'd play Superman in a shitty movie too. You know what I mean? I mean, more power to Henry Cavill. I just want that. Have you you watched that documentary, by the way? I need to so bad. It's so good. That documentary did the thing that I never thought it would do. Uh, I sincerely, uh, and completely wish that that movie had gotten made. Like it looks phenomenal. Watch the documentary. It looks like there was enough. Uh, concept work and pre-production work. Uh, oh, sorry, I gotta run for a sec. Hang on. Yeah. Oh, you're here. Okay. Sorry, dude, I gotta run. No, that's okay. Um, I can keep half of this, and the next time you're available, we can take a whole other set out of it. Yeah, let's do another. Let's do another session in a couple of days. Okay, maybe oh, Tuesday night. That that works, man. All right, cool. All right, man. Okay, guys, no, you're not having a stroke. This episode was done over the course of two different phone calls. Uh, Same conversation carries over. One gets a little more into Justice League than the other. So, spoiler warning. Also, CW Universe spoiler warning. Spoiler warnings for everything. Or you can just, you know, sack up Nancy and keep listening. Either way, enjoy. What's up, dude?
Hello? Hello? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, all right, there you are. Here I am. What's going on? Fuck, not much, man. Just one thing after another today, unfortunately, but doing okay, doing okay. I hear you. This time of year gets a little hectic. <laughs> it has a tendency to. That's why uh, I love shopping online so much. It takes away a lot of the pressure. <laughs> it really does, dude. I got like everything for my wife online this year, and I've never really shopped online much except for video games. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I could really get used to this. It's the best. I mean, everything, and it's all it all delivers in a couple of days. Most of it, like, I mean, seriously, it's why would you go to a store? Why? Why would you ever? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> but uh, so, how, how's y'all's uh, how's y'all's weather? Is has it gone full winter on you up there yet, or? Uh, it hasn't snowed yet. I mean, it snowed once, but it didn't last more than a couple hours. So it's just uh, just a little cold and rainy, and that's about it. Gotcha. Yeah, it looks but, like. Uh, I mean, that's that's winter here. I mean, that's uh, that's how it's going to be probably. So. <laughs> yeah, well, here um, it's already been a little cooler than it normally is here in Georgia, and we'll probably see some snow this year. I'm sure. Whenever. You don't really get a lot of snow, right? It tends to stay pretty warm down there. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, the winters. I mean, it's it'll stay below freezing. The problem is, is down here. In order for it to get cold, it can't be humid. So. Uh, you know, one right. kind of cancels out the other. When we have rain, it usually gets up in the 50s, even in the winter. Right, right. Once in a while, we'll get that, hey, it's cold enough. And then the problem is here is if it snows the next couple days, the humidity drops out the bottom, and it's, it actually plummets and gets way colder, and it just turns into ice. Like, you can't you can't do anything with it. It's not snow that you can even enjoy it just basically everything freezes and yeah it's it, that icy crusty stuff yeah yeah but what's bad is it'll rain and then it'll hard freeze so instead of snow yeah um, we end up with like two inches of ice around each branch on a tree and then everything just starts falling out of the sky <laughs> power lines yeah, and tree branches and this and that that's what it's usually like uh, November, December, and like Toronto, and then and then once uh, once winter sort of hits for real, like in January, then it's like then it's snowing really cold. But yeah, you get that that super fun. Hey, it's snowing. Oh, now it's raining. Oh, now it's freezing. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. My daughter came popped her head in for a second. I was, <laughs> she told me who oh, no, won no problem. with the stars. It's, very vital. Was it Frankie Muniz? No. Um, it was that Jordan Fisher kid. I don't even know. I, I've never watched the show, so... <laughs> no, I mean, Frankie Muniz, he, I guess he made it to the final. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I heard inter- an interesting story about him the other day, about uh, how his mental health hasn't been like so great and stuff like that. So I was surprised to to find that he was uh, that he was on that show this year. Oh man, yeah, they actually talked about it on one of the episodes. Um, Did they? I, I'm good. I'm that's. I'm glad. That's uh, that's really kind of responsible of them. I think. Uh, yeah, it's something. Um, he can't retain memories. Um, almost right. Like, it's a short. That's right. That's right. So when when they were addressing it on the show, um, 
See, I, I have all girls in my house, so sometimes the TV I watch is not of my choosing. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, what was really cool is they actually did an interview with Brian Cranston about it on the show. And really? Yeah, it was really. He made my wife cry because, you know, he's he. Brian Cranston was like, I mean, you know, he's basically my kid for years, you know, and they were on a lot. They were on a lot of years of TV together, yeah. Right. He was like, you don't ever want to see one of your kids hurt, so, you know, I always tell him to live his life, and I'll be there to help him remember all of it. Oh wow! And I look over, and my wife's just like. That's pretty, yeah. I mean, now I, who am I kidding? That would be me. I'm a, I'm a weeper. I can't, uh, I can't deny it. I, I cry at the drop of a hat. Certain things. I was, wa- I was watching fucking Project Runway the other day, and I cried in the finale of that. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> no, I mean, there, there's certain things that'll get me um, every time, and they're not your typical guy things, like, you know, the ending of Terminator Two. Or right, although that was on the other day, and I did cry. So. <laughs> every freaking time. But, like, for some reason, the ending to A League of Their Own destroys me. Oh, totally, yeah. Actually, you know what? Like, that's a good that's a good point. But, like, any time where you see the fictional uh, depiction of what happened and then the real people come in at the end of something, I'm just like, ah, forget it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, no, like, yeah, there's, I mean, there, there's stuff that just, once in a while, something hits you sideways, and you're like, you're like Jim Carrey at the end of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. You're like, I'm leaking. <laughs> don't look at me. Yeah, totally. I might like I. Just, I don't know what it is. But, like Disney movies every time. Like uh, like Wreck It Ralph of all things. Like for gets real me. though. That's a that's a huge like there, a couple of times in that in that movie I I end up bawling like a little like a little baby. Inside so yeah, out. I don't know. Oh, Inside Out too. Yeah, totally. totally. Oh. Like, I watched it with my kid, and just, like, you know, she's she's 11 this year, and I have a 19-year-old, so I went through watching someone change from a kid to a person. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I'm going through it again, and then you watch I, Inside Out, and you, you're just, like, a, you, you become a giant mess. Uh, yeah, that and Big Hero I don't, I don't have any kids, so, I mean, for me, I, I like, that aspect of it is... Uh, <laughs> It's sort of lost to me, but uh, I mean, I was a kid, and I and I still relate to humans. So, <laughs> oh yeah, most definitely. You but, know, um, yeah, I'm not a complete like psychopath. When the different lands start falling, I know, right? That's uh, out, you're just like, hey, right? Like you said, even without kids, you remember when you started losing some of the magic of childhood, and it slipped away before you realized it. Yeah, totally, exactly. But exactly. Big Hero Six, dude. Me and her blubbered in the movie theater out loud watching that. I movie. can't. I mean, and early too. Uh, like because when the brother, when the, oh, I mean, spoilers. But when the brother dies, and then you know, and like I'm the same. At like, uh, uh, like every time Baymax did something like touching, I'm just like, oh, Baymax is the best. And my <laughs> my youngest Madison, all I have to do, we could be doing anything. And all I have to do is look over at her and go, I'm satisfied with my care. And she's like, you shut uh, your mouth! <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, so you've seen Justice League, have you? Not yet. You haven't seen it yet? Oh, so I can't even I can't even talk about it too much. I've That's talked too about it in length with people. You can talk about it oh, all you want. 
Uh, well, I mean, it's better to it's better to talk about it if I, if you've seen it too. Because, I pretty much know uh, everything that happened. <laughs> How come you haven't seen it yet? Um, I don't want to. Yeah, that's fair. No, that's fair. <laughs> like, I don't want I mean, to sound like a jerk, but like, I just don't want to. Like, my, I'll, my, I'll watch it when I can, but I don't want to pay. 20 bucks a person to go watch it in the movie theater. Yeah, no, I can dig that. I mean, the fact that my screening was free was probably, was helpful for sure, because uh, uh, I think I went in, like, when you go to a, I went to, I went to a, a Warner Brothers uh, screening here. I won, uh, uh, I won, I won tickets from the, from the Flash uh, production office. Uh, nice. they, they were, they raffled off like 10 pairs of tickets, so, so I, so I won one, which was kind of cool. And I uh, got to see it a day early and, and, and at no charge to myself, plus free popcorn and a drink. I mean, they, they really did us up. And then... Uh, Dude, that's uh, like a $500 and, and, prize if it came with concessions. Yeah, seriously. It's not it's no no cheap shit there. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, so... Uh, and then going in and, 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 and from what I heard about it sort of being more fun and all of this stuff, I think I was... Like so that, and combined with the fact that it was free, uh, I think I was in a really good frame of mind to watch a movie that I knew I wasn't going to like very much, if you know what I mean. It does help, uh, uh, and as a result, I actually ended up liking it quite a bit. So, really? yeah, oh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Well, good. Uh, let me let me be very clear. It is a deeply flawed movie. the 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 villain is it might as well be nothing. I mean, it might as well be Cookie Monster. The, How the villain of Steppenwolf. Movie. Because they don't, because there's no, uh, because there's no establishment of who he is and where he's from. This is the big issue. They don't do they, apocalypse at all. They mention it. Oh they my mention gosh, so it. Did they, they mention the new gods and they mention Darkseid once, and that's it. I heard that Darkseid is only mentioned, and that there's like not even talk about Granny Goodness or no, no, nobody else. Nobody, you don't, you don't, they don't talk about anybody else. So, I mean, so here's, here are the major flaws, is that ultimately the villain means nothing. Uh, he's a, he's a world destroyer, essentially, is what it comes down to. He's Parallax. He's, he's whatever. He's, you know, the, <laughs> the cloud the of Galactus. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, so really there, as far as that goes, there are no stakes to the movie. That's fine. Uh, it's another a sort of endless horde of of like faceless villains that they're fighting again in the in the parademons, right? Uh, that type of stuff. That being said, uh, I went in expecting to uh, a visual mess essentially, like the way like because I I was not a big fan of Batman versus Superman at all, uh, and uh, uh, it was uh, it was very pleasantly uh, the action was very pleasantly uh, easy to follow. Uh, which was good. It wasn't like this sort of ridiculous, like super cutty stuff that we're starting to see, like in the Marvel movies, like like Captain America, like uh, like Winter Soldier, for example. Especially, so much cutting in the action, you can barely tell what's going on. Right? I was there were some say, really nice white. The end of Homecoming is just a hot mess. Oh God, I loved ninety percent of Spider-Man: Homecoming. It was absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. The tone, the characterizations, the writing—it was absolutely great. But like somebody literally had to say, uh, and for for this movie to end up as it did, somebody had to have said, "Hey, how can we make this action sequence more busy? Hey, let's throw a whole bunch of cloaking LEDs all over this plane so that they're flashing all the time." I couldn't follow. And then shoot it in the thing. dark. And then shoot it in the dark. I couldn't <laughs> follow the fucking thing in that last in that last sequence. That's in, what uh, I mean. The movie happened until that point, and then I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. 
Yeah, and so that was over, and then I and then it had me again because the movie itself is great. It's really really good, mm-hmm. but but man, that was brutal. So and again, you know, from all the trailers that you've seen in Justice League, I mean, it, it looks like they're in this giant CG world and stuff, and they kind of are. But in context of the movie, it actually uh, uh, where they are makes sense, and it actually is, so I didn't that didn't bother me it bother me as much as I thought it was going to. Um, you know, the effects are a little cheesy in spots. The uh, that's uh, one of the complaints like a, I heard is that there's points where it actually looks like you're just playing Injustice. I yeah, I've never played Injustice, so I don't actually know. But I've seen video, and yeah, I wouldn't be you know. I mean, I'm playing the new like Star Wars Battlefront two, and and a lot of what I'm playing in game playing looks better than some of the stuff that I saw in Justice League. Yeah, that's. I mean, is there really any excuse for that at this day and age? No, um, not really. Uh, but as much as I you know ninety eight percent loved Thor Ragnarok. Uh, that scene on the cliff was inexcusable. <laughs> Do you right. know what I mean? So, um, I'm not saying that that you know money should be no object and time should be no object. Obviously, they they could spend another year making this movie perfect and they can't do that. Obviously, you know what? These are the things that we learn. Whatever. Uh, it ended up being a lot better than I thought it was going to be, and that that really really sort of warmed my heart a little bit. Uh, uh, I want to see more and more and more and more Ben Affleck as Batman. Really? I was. Yeah, you know what? I've always been on board with Ben Affleck as Batman, and I was really disappointed with what they did with the Batman character. I was until Batman he killed Superman. everything. Well, this is my this was my problem, right? Like he murders everybody in Batman versus Superman. Way too much killing. Uh, totally goes against character. Uh, you know, aside from some pudginess in his face, I thought he looked really good in the costume for the most part in, in BVS. Uh, he's a but again, guy. he's a big hulking Batman. I mean, I could see them doing dude, Miller. He's like six. Yeah, totally right. Like he's Batman. like six four. He's wide. He's really like he's built. Okay, I, like when I went to uh, Los Angeles in January of this year, uh, I went on the. I went. Uh, it's not even a tour. I I got a private tour of the Warner Brothers archives, nice. uh, which is essentially just a big warehouse full of stuff from Warner Brothers movies dating back to when the Warner Brothers started making movies. Um, uh, which I was so I have a camera full of I have a camera full of pictures <laughs> that I'm not allowed to show anybody because they asked me not to. Um, which is unfortunate because there's some really great pictures that don't really have any bearing on anything. I don't really know why I wouldn't be able to show them, but they asked me not to, so I'm not showing them. Uh, but the last room, uh, well, I should I should preface this by saying that when we when we first got there, uh, uh, they told us that they were putting together a Justice League exhibit uh, for a museum in France. So I'm like, okay, so they they have all of their essentially all of their Batman and Superman stuff is out and ready to get crated up and shipped and shipped overseas. So I probably literally went at the best time uh, because uh, I walked in and the first thing I saw was, was uh, Batmobiles from all four of the original Batman movies, okay. Tim Burton through Joel Schumacher. They were all just sitting there, and I ran my hand along them and touched everything that I saw I touched. It was crazy. Uh, Christian Bale's Batman outfits, uh, t- uh, uh, Michael Keaton's Batman outfits, uh, in one room, it was literally just a, uh, it was literally a whole wall, uh, about eight shelves high, maybe maybe six shelves high, uh, and um, I guess about a 20-foot or 30-foot long wall, so just shelves on this whole wall, and literally all of the uh, stunt person's cowls 
from all of the Batman movies. Oh, wow. On, on busts on these shelves. So it's like literally a wall full of Batman heads. Like, it was one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life, if not the coolest. Um, my point being is that at the very end of all of this, they had one room where they had uh, they had all of the Ben Affleck costumes set up, like, lined up. So there were, like, five Ben Affleck Batman standing one in front of the other in front of the other. They had all that, the Cavill Superman suits. They had all the Wonder Woman stuff. Like, it was all there. Oh, uh, and in the same room was all of this, was all of this, uh, all of the Watchmen outfits. Um, it was really, it was really fantastic. Uh, Ben Affleck's Batman towered over me. Like, just, he's huge. Like, he's a tall guy, but he's bulked up, and he's, like, he's literally just a huge, big, huge fucking guy right now. And right. it's, uh, and it's great. It's, 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 how, it's what you want out of a Batman, really. I mean, you know, you believe that he's beating the shit out of people in a way that I never really believed Christian Bale was. You know well, what I mean? that's what I mean. How do you cut an imposing figure that even the Justice League themselves are like, yeah, don't screw with that guy? Yeah, totally. When you're just because a man. It, but, and because he's he's the only human, right? Like his power is that he's that's rich. That's what I mean. The fact that the <laughs> and then he, and then he does CrossFit, like, but <laughs> that's the dude to be afraid of. Yeah, uh, yeah. and he was great in this movie. I mean, they, they really kind of lightened everything up a little bit, which was nice. Yeah. And I guess that's probably Joss Whedon's uh, 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 hand in it. And you can sort of tell a little bit. Like some of it sort of fits better some uh, better than other things. Uh, like the whole movie. I, I, as a whole, a little bit uneven and stuff like that. But for the most part, for a movie that I didn't expect to enjoy, I sat there for two solid hours and, and had a good time while I was there. And that's what else are we asking for, right? I'm not looking for high art in my in my comic book movies. Right? Did they give Cyborg a fair shake? Because he has basically been ignored in all the marketing. No, I hated him. I hated Cyborg. Really? Yeah. Apparently, big chunks of Cyborg's uh, story got cut out. Of course. Uh, and it, and it and it really shows. Now he's. The the problem is now uh, the actor's name. I want to say Ray Fisher, but I'm not sure if that's true, if that's right or not. Uh, that's not the character's name, is it? Uh, hold on, I can look it up while you're talking. All right. Uh, anyways, for a uh, too, on that one. So, so, so the actor is unfortunately given the unfortunate uh, uh, job of having half of his face covered uh, by a digital prosthetic. That doesn't move nicely, and it doesn't look right. This is this for me. This was the worst effects in the movie were the cyborg effects. Um, yeah, Ray Fisher is the name of the of the actor. Of the actor, okay. Cool. For, for the movie, uh, Carrie Payton is um, him on Teen Titans Go, and I think Michael B. Jordan was him in the cartoons. Oh, was he? Okay, yeah, Michael B. Jordan's. Pretty, oh, yeah, he was in Flashpoint. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Mike. I love me some Michael B. Jordan. He's great. Uh, so, anyways, this guy wasn't given a lot to do. Unfortunately, I think a lot of his like he has he does a lot of brooding, so he's kind of angry and and upset at being alive, you know, because he's he died in this accident, but then sort of didn't really die, right? But it all just kind of gets right. glossed over, and he's just kind of moody, and that's unfortunate. Uh, and tacked onto that, the fact that he's really he's not he's wearing probably what for me like is the worst suit effect since uh, since Green Lantern. Um, oh God! So it's unfortunate that, yeah, and 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 for me, and again, and this is really just a personal thing, is that uh, I never like I was into JLA before before uh, Cyborg was really a thing. Well, so he was in I Titans. He was never in. I mean, he DC's really just you know in the past couple of years pushed him to be in the Justice League. 
he's always been in the Titans. Like, right. I, I don't, I don't get the push to. I mean, I, I'll see Justice League. I had a problem with the fact that there's only five of you. There's not seven. There's technically six, but one of you is dead. Yeah. And you know, like, why can't I just get a freaking live action John Stewart? Uh, it's turn. you know what it it's it's coming if they're gonna if they're gonna keep going it's all I want uh, a good Martian Manhunter and a damn John Stewart and then you've got your seven yeah that's true I mean yeah I mean the the I mean this was a I guess you could say this is like a springboard movie right like everybody's right. just getting together so that's cool so we'll, I, I I'm pretty confident that we'll get our Green Lantern and we'll get our we'll get our Martian Manhunter um, I just don't want Hal Jordan again. No, I don't either, and I, you know and I think I mean? that for just for the just simply for the well, I mean, there's two reasons. First of all, uh, uh, John Stewart's a great Green Lantern, and secondly, just for the sake of diversity, I think that they really need to. I think that it's important that they that they get uh, that they do the the black Green Green Lantern. I mean, that exactly. really makes sense to me, right? I mean, what well, do we need another fucking white dude in here? No, nah, we kind of don't actually. <laughs> but, exactly, and it's and it's yeah. canon and it's organic diversity. It's not shoehorned. Yeah, you know. and I, fuck, you know, at this point, at this at this stage in the uh, stage in the game, I I shoehorn diversity works for me for the sake of diversity. Like, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, if you want to make uh, uh, Johnny Storm black in the new Fantastic Four, I personally don't have any problem with that whatsoever. You don't even have to justify it for me if the actor is a good actor. Exactly. Um, but if you can take the wind but out it, of but here, you know, I mean, this is on a silver, it's on a silver platter for you. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. <laughs> Give yeah, them totally. nothing to bitch about when they're but, like, uh, "Oh, Black Green Lantern," and you're like, "Yeah, he's been around longer than you've been alive, dumbass." Shut yeah. your mouth. He belongs there more than you do. Shush. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me show you the issues. There's all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it's um, uh, I think that I think that if they decide to move forward with this universe, which again at this point we've got an Aquaman movie that's in the can now, so that's good. How uh, hopefully we're moving forward on that. Sorry. How did he do? Because in all the trailers, they just make him look like dude bro Aquaman. Like dumb surfer. Oh, that's Aquaman. all he is. He's great. Though. Totally. Oh, really? But it totally works. Uh, yeah. There's, a, there's one. I like angry curry. You know what? Uh, I think that there's... Here's the thing. Is that he's uh, he's sort of disenfranchised a little bit, right? He's sort of been... Uh, uh, in this, there's one scene where he's talking with Mira, and she's uh, and they're talking about how he's sort of abandoned Atlantis and stuff. So I think that there is backstory that we're going to get in his standalone movie that's going to give you the, the the story that you want. Uh, he's I I got the the sense that Momoa was um was there to have fun and was mm-hmm. having a good time. And that the the real meat of the Aquaman character is gonna be in the is gonna be in the standalone. Gotcha. Okay. Which is so, kind of interesting. I mean, it's really just the reverse model of what Marvel's Marvel's doing, and and in in a sense, it doesn't work as well because the initial impression that you get of of, of Aquaman in this case is ah, oh, dude, bro, right? Which is not far off the mark, but there is more there. But now we have to wait for it. I mean, it kind of right. It's it's. It's a little weird, but I, I really liked him. I thought I thought it was good. The whole tone of the of the thing is just ever is like fun, and the, and for me, uh, uh, desperately what the what the DCU needs. <laughs> it really does. Like I, I I have been confounded by 
the difficulty they've had. I mean, unlike Marvel, they've got their full stable. You know, they've got all their legacy characters. This stuff writes itself. Like, I just, I don't understand why there's been such a struggle. I don't know if it's creative vision. You know, I mean, thanks for Watchmen, Zack Snyder, but can you not just remake that movie over and over and over and over again? It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. Like, my initial, my initial, I mean, there's word going around that there's like a three-hour cut of Justice League. Uh, that's all Zack Snyder and just essentially more of the same. And I think that, uh, I think that, I think that he sold them a vision. He sold Warner Brothers a vision that sounded good on paper. Right. But through, because I I don't have an issue necessarily with, with going on a journey with Superman so that he becomes the Superman that we want him to be. But a, I don't need it to take place over three movies. Like right. I, at the end of at the end of Man of Steel, he should have been super super happy Superman. You know what I mean? Like it should have all been and I love sort, that sorted out by that. Did you? I wasn't. I was never crazy about Man of Steel. I didn't. I like didn't it the first time I watched it. It was one of those weird things, kind of like when a when a band you like puts out an album that doesn't catch you as much as the others, and it yeah. takes a little while, but then you get it, and you're like, oh, okay. I was yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it took like two or three times watching it, and then I was, I still, they'll never, they'll never get the way they make Martha and John, um, sorry, Ma and Pa Kent. Um, I couldn't stand the, nah, screw the kids, let them drown way that the Kents raised him, that part bothered and this, me. This was, this was the entire, the, what, the main issue that I had with not only the movie, but with also the characterization of Superman in the movie, is that he is that Superman is dependent, uh, his powers are dependent on, on, on the yellow son of Earth, but his, his moral code and who he is is dependent on Jonathan Kent. And, right. Uh, and and if that's not there, then you get kind of you know mopey Superman who 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 isn't sure if he can be bothered saving people for a good chunk of BBS. You know what I mean? Like right. The exactly. That, well, the fact that Martha Kent looks at him and goes, "Screw him! You don't owe him anything." Right. No, like, that's his thing. It's his oh, whole thing. Yeah. Can um, we stop with the superheroes who need Prozac because it's sad to have superpowers? Yeah, I, man, I would love to be Superman. I would love to have those powers. I would save people left and right. You know, exactly. I mean, you, 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 and you can still only do so much, and I get that, but you do what you can. You know what I mean? Just like a regular person does. So, uh, so what they did at the very beginning of this movie, uh, uh, digitally removed mustache, notwithstanding. All they did I heard really, is this. What? What is that? So they had to do some reshoots when Joss Whedon came on to to do the rewrites and stuff okay. like that. They did some they did some reshoots, and there's a couple of scenes. Uh, one of them's at the very beginning, uh, and one of them somewhere in the middle, where uh, he was uh, Henry Cavill was off shooting another movie where he had this big uh, where he had this big sort of bushy mustache, and yeah. and he couldn't he couldn't shave it off because he was literally coming in a day at a time, right? Okay, uh, to I, do these to reshoots, do these reshoots, right. yeah. At, so they had to digitally remove this mustache, which for me seems ridiculous because wouldn't it be easier to shave it off and put a fake mustache on him on the other end of it? But that's just me and practical effects, I guess. I don't know. So 
Um, so it looks a little wonky, is what it is, because the one thing, they'll get the eyes, they'll get everything else, they'll get the motion, but the one thing they'll never get that will always take me out of this fucking uh, fully CG-rendered human characters uh, is they never get the mouth right. Uh, uh, Tarkin in Rogue One looked absolutely phenomenal to me, except for the mouth. Until he Like, talks. if it wasn't for the mouth, I thought he, I thought he looked great. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? Until he talked, exactly. Right, yeah, because it never lines up quite right. It's just a little bit. It doesn't quite work as well as, you know, And anyways. Uh, well, so, there's nuance to human motion that they haven't quite nailed completely yet. Yeah, and you can put all the all the little dots on the person's mouth that you want, but the problem with this one, uh, with this one was that, uh, for me anyways, is that uh, it wasn't uh, Peter Cushing's mouth. And they can get the person to look as, as close as they can. And if, see, here's the thing. If you're going to all, the, to all the trouble of finding somebody whose mouth is basically the same shape, whose face is basically the same shape, just put a wig on him and put him in there. I'd rather see an actor play him and we understand that it's not actually Peter Cushing <laughs> than see exactly. it visually rendered. That takes me out of it a little bit. That's just me. Um, so anyways, at the beginning of this movie, the very first... Uh, the very first uh, scene in Justice League is a uh, cell phone video that these two kids uh, are taking of Superman right after he saved some people like this this thing and he's been all heroic and stuff and so they're they're like interviewing him for their podcast and he's being very Supermanish he's being very gracious he's being very friendly and and, and all of this stuff he looks heroic uh, at one point he he uh, he looks off as though he's hearing something else happening but he's still being very engaging with the kids and you know he's going to have to take off because he's doing his bit as super right and those that little bit of video at the beginning of this movie uh, portrayed superman as more heroic than anything in batman versus superman did so yeah uh you know, I, for me and because you know i mean the, the the fake lip mustache removal thing obviously guarantees it and solidifies it as something that they did as reshoots with Joss Whedon but uh, it also uh, you could tell because it was it was this movie starts off with a very positive uh, uh, uplifting sort of yes Superman was a hero people did love Superman okay so, so, was, so it's basically showing like before he died that this was all yeah 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 this is right, a video okay, from I before gotcha. sorry uh, yeah so and so, it, like, it did more uh, uh, to to portray Superman as a true hero that people actually loved and, and looked up to and wanted around than anything that we saw. Like, you can show me as many, like, you know, st- fantastic storyboard frames of Superman dragging a giant boat across an ice sea or hovering, uh, I dare say, menacingly above these people in the flood that that he could just go down and save instead of, is he toying with them? What's he doing? Why is he just going and saving these people? <laughs> Look you know upon I mean? me. Yeah, pretty much, right? Because Zack Snyder had a, had sort of this weird sort of Christ thing going on. I was going to uh, say it was totally that whole scene was totally the Look, it's Jesus thing that he did yeah, totally. the whole uh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But which in fairness Brian Singer did first in Superman Returns. So yes, we did. can't really blame I mean it's I mean Superman's Christ is not exactly a, a, an unknown uh, thing right well, I mean it's, it's it pretty too, I mean. uh, so anyways but so it, it, it started the movie off on the right foot as far as I was concerned Superman was heroic people did love Superman we're sad that Superman's Superman's not around anymore which is not something that I got from Batman versus Superman at all 
right. uh, that that he would be missed if he disappeared. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so that was a step in the right direction. Uh, I was afraid that I was going to ha- really hate The Flash. The Flash was great. Ezra Miller really? was fantastic. Because I don't like that kid. Like, I think I think not as a I human think being. I guess as an actor, he does like all those like boring indie movies that like never have an ending, and it's just like, yeah, bro, real life's hard. You know, I'll like, tell you what. I mean, I've, I I I thought that very same thing about him. <laughs> uh, uh, and then I saw because I was bas- I was basing it on stuff like we like we have to do we have to talk about Kevin. Have you seen that? Yes, that's what I mean. Right? Like. Super slow, really kind of dark and and depressing, and a little bit arty and stuff like that. Good movie. Eh, I'm never going to watch it again. Um, right. Like the perks of being a uh, wallflower, not yeah. Oh yeah, stuff like that, right? I'm I mean, just great movie, man. Say again. You know those movies where basically every character is just like, well, you have it hard, but I have it hard in a different way. We're all just different, man. And then a Silver Sun song plays at some point during the middle of it, and then it just ends with credits, and you're like, well, I guess that's done. Those kind of yeah. artsy movies. I can't stand those. I mean, I like, I, I'll be honest with you. I like I like the we need to talk about Kevin a little bit more than that. But <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I thought that was pretty good. But anyway, uh, but then I saw him in Trainwreck, and I don't know if you've seen him in Trainwreck or not. No, I haven't. Trainwreck is that, uh, that Amy Schumer movie with Bill Hader. Uh, it's a Judd Apatow movie. Oh, okay. And uh, it's one of my guilty pleasures. I actually, I, I think Amy Schumer is pretty funny for the most part. I mean, she's hot and cold, but I mean, I think because with the addition of Bill Hader and stuff like that, who I love, Bill Hader. Well, exactly. Uh, yeah. Tra- Trainwreck, Trainwreck actually turns out to be pretty good. It's a little too long, like Judd Apatow movies tend to be and all that stuff, but for the most part, pretty funny. Uh, and Ezra Miller is in it, and there's one scene in, in Trainwreck, which I don't want to spoil too much because it's it's really funny, and he's really funny in it, uh, and that's what sort of turned me around on him. And I was a little bit concerned that they were going to make him a little too. Uh, uh, I don't know how to put this. A little, a little, like I mean, that they would make him a little too uh, on the spectrum, if you know what I mean. And I really don't mean that in a negative way, but just, no, that's why I said uh, derpy. Like, yeah. Like he's he's going to be their their comic relief idiot, right? But he, and he is the comic relief, but he's not an idiot, and that's right, exactly. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy to report that he's actually he's very good comic relief, uh, uh, because he's out of all the people here, uh, he's the least experienced, right? With with doing stuff, and it actually sets up a really great moment between him and Batman uh, right before they go into their first battle, where he's like. I've never done this before. I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I supposed to do? I've never done this before. And Batman just looks at him and says, just save one person. Go in nice. there, grab one person, bring them out, save one person. And he's like, okay, great. And then what? And he says, then you'll know. It's fucking nice. perfect. It was a really great moment. Nice. And that, see, something like that, Two characters connecting on that on the, in a very simple kind of way, but really effective, is what I felt was lacking in all of the other movies. And this one actually really gets that kind of heart down, which is kind of you know for all of its flaws, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I will watch it again. I look forward to watching it again. See, I wanted Alan and Wayne to have a relationship because if they're ever going to do Flashpoint, they need to have that established. Totally. And I mean, right? the Flash is one of the only people who's ever made Batman cry. That's true. He's a right. hell of a messenger. 
Oh my god, dude. Okay, so I have <laughs> the graphic novels for that. So when they finally made it a movie. I'm sitting there in my bed crying at a cartoon at like midnight. Me and my wife stayed yeah. up and watched Flashpoint, and I'm. That's just, another. Oh, uh, it was it was it was good. There were parts of it that I thought were really effective. I thought it was a little kind of it got a little crazy, but uh, for the most part. But that was a great moment at the end of that too. Yeah, it though. sucked like, that watching whole thing. Diana kill Steve Steve Rogers. So, like, just I just like, don't even snap, and you're like, oh, his feet twitched, he's gone. She killed him. Like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. And then she, like, beheads. Yeah. Uh, what, she beheads Mira? <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, totally, right? Jesus. It goes crazy. And yet, you know, it's still pretty good, though. <laughs> I just loved watching Deathstroke. Attack. Yeah, but that, that moment at the end between, uh, with the whole... Ugh. Oh, fuck yeah, right. You're a hell of a messenger. Like, oh, for God's sake! Right? I mean, that's that that's classic stuff. I mean, and if and, and I mean, if a comic book and then a cartoon like about a comic book can make you can make you tear up a little, then that's that's a that's a job well done, as far as I'm concerned. Iron Giant, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus, I haven't seen that. I, I that's one of those ones that I that I almost uh, uh, that I almost refuse to watch again because I know I'm just going to be like going <laughs> to be a mess when I do. Yeah. So I hear Superman. Um, everybody's got to throw down with him. Um, he doesn't come back a hundred percent right at first. I don't know if that's something. Sorry, let's uh, say that again because you, you chopped up a whole bunch. Oh, sorry. Um, what I was saying is, I hear that everybody had to fight Superman. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Like he, yeah, uh, when he that comes was back probably... something. I, uh, I was talking to somebody who actually watched it, and they said something about Cyborg sets him off, or something. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember exactly. Oh, yeah, because uh, uh, because you can tell that he's not quite there. You know, the last thing he knows is uh, is is Batman's trying to kill him, and and they have an uneasy alliance, and then he dies essentially, right? So uh, he comes back, and he's not a hundred percent sure what's going on, uh, and then Cyborg's uh, suit uh, goes into defense mode, or or. Uh, auto uh, defense mode or something like that, and ju- and essentially shires, shoots like a big plasma blast at him, and then he's just like, okay, I'm gonna fight you all now, <laughs> and he literally takes them all off, takes them all on, and it's man, it's probably my favorite scene in the movie. It was great. That's actually I've had a couple people say the best part of the the best part of the entire movie is Superman. I've had a couple people say that, and then you know one of my friends that works at a video game store that I frequent. Much to my wife's uh, chagrin, most of the time uh-huh. um, was he was talking about that. He was like, "Man, when him and Wonder Woman start throwing down, let me just yeah." He said that was like the highlight of the movie was wasn't even yeah. them fighting a freaking uh, you know dark side acolyte from Apocalypse. It was watching Superman no. beat wholesale ass. <laughs> the rest it was of just- amazing. There's a there's a beat in that fight where Superman's got somebody up. He's got he's holding them by the neck and he's holding them up in the air. I think it's probably Batman. It might be Wonder Woman. I'm not sure. Um, and he's just holding them up off the ground, right? And uh, uh, Flash is coming around behind him to try to flank him. So we're in. So essentially, like on the TV show, it's called Flash Time, right? So we're in Flash Time where it's all slow motion and everything, but right. Barry's kind of moving in, in at real speed, right? So he's running slow, but his head is moving, and you can see all this. And then, and then in real speed, you see Clark's eyes start to track him, 
And then they go back to Flash, and he's got this look of amazement on his face, like, holy shit. And then oh, my go God, dude, the dude talked about that specifically. Yeah, and he's turning, and he's tracking him as he's running behind him, and they just keep going back. They went back, like, three times to Barry's face. Uh, you know what? It was, like, I don't know who shot that. I have a feeling it was it was Snyder because it was really fucking beautiful looking. That alone was worth the price of admission to this free movie that I went to. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but if I paid for it, even if I would paid for it, that would have been worth it. Oh, that was absolutely brilliant. Like it was, was like, like no, no, like take nothing away from it. That scene with their with them all fighting together right up until the, the conclusion of it and how it ends is absolutely brilliant. See, that's what that dude was talking about. That specific scene. He's like, there's a part where Flash is running and Clark starts tracking. Like he, that's ex- the, it's, the the biggest thing he got excited about was what you just described. <laughs> it's like, so good. Like I, I may have actually applauded. Like one of those things where you're looking at it and you go ah, and you clap a couple times. Nice. You know, like that. Yeah, yeah, like it was so good. And then like very shortly thereafter, uh, Superman uh, literally headbutts Wonder Woman like into the ground, and it's oh. just it's fucking colossal. It's really amazing. That fight scene is great. It's absolutely great. See, that'll be worth it for me to watch it, right? Totally, there. yeah. I'm telling you, like, you you will watch it and you'll go, eh, whatever. Like, for example, here's an example. Uh, there's a whole big thing at the at the beginning where where Steppenwolf steals the mother box from uh, Themyscira, right? So all of these Amazons are going out and 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 fighting him to try to essentially oh, es- escape with this, and it's great uh, in theory. The effects are weak, and, and the whole thing looks fake as shit, unfortunately. Oh. So there's, a, there's some really great elements to it, but for the most part, it kind of looked a little... It looked, it looked like a video game, and, and I, didn't, I didn't like that very much, which is too bad because it should have been one of the best scenes in the movie. Uh, um, yeah, and, Patty and, Jenkins showed what the Amazons can do, and she made it look freaking awesome. Yeah, see, now I think I, I have a... a, a uh, watching Wonder Woman again... Uh, on my super high quality and crisp television at home, um, the movie stands up. It's really good. Wonder Woman is still a fantastic movie, story wise, character wise, everything except for some of the effects look a little, a little cheap. On really? my once you get it on, on the 4K my, or whatever, yeah. When you get it on the super high res, it's it's a little. Uh, it's a little unforgiving. That's what it is. Like even like even digital projection right now in a movie theater still has a little bit of blur to it that, that saves it to a degree. But, uh, yeah, my, my TV at home, it was a little too crisp. Gotcha. Uh, literally taking nothing away from that movie. It's a great, great movie, Wonder Woman is. So. I mean, she was the best part of Batman v Superman to me. Um, yeah, just oh, totally. Because, Except yeah, I mean, with, the ex- with the exception of that one scene where Batman kicks ass for two minutes, but that was... <laughs> yeah, but, uh, that... So, I mean, why, why couldn't they just have him do that in each scene? He didn't right. kill anybody, and it was the best thing you've ever seen Batman do in live action ever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Batman, oh, and by the way, Batman doesn't murder a single person in this movie. So <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad they heard that complaint from the community. Yeah. He kills some, he kills some parademons, but uh, that's those, allowed. Those are parademons. Yeah, they're demons. They're, they're, they're animals. They're, <laughs> those they're, are parademons. They're robots, kill those all day long. It was the... Yeah. mercilessly gunning down an entire convoy of criminals. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I had a, I had a, it was branding people so they would get murdered in jail that I had a problem with as well. Yeah, that, that was a, too. Yeah. 
I'd forgotten about that. I was actually I was watching a a, a Cinema Sins video today, and uh, the next one to play in the automatic queue was Batman versus Superman. So I just kind of left it on while I was doing other things, and they talked about the branding of the thing, and I was like, oh, like I forgot all about that. Like that was just such a bad taste in my mouth. That's true. I didn't read that much into it too until you said that, but yeah, he was branding them, so they were like. Well, I've at least snitched to him, so I'm a snitch of some kind. I can't remember. I can't remember if it was actually in the movie or if it was just in the extended cut, which which I hate watched, by the way. <laughs> but uh, I haven't watched uh, it yet. The extended. The extended cut. It's not worth it. It's, all it does is extends the the inanity of that story. Like it was just, <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. No, I'm I'm you know I know I'm like I'm being very blunt about it, and I know that a well, lot of people uh, put it put all of their, their hard work and a lot of energy into making that movie, and it's unfortunate that it turned out as badly as it did. Uh, I, I I can't stand it. Like it's just, I it's just love terrible... when Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman fight that, that one troll that broke into the bathroom at Hogwarts that one time. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, which yeah, that looked was like good. the same troll <laughs> yeah. that... Um, uh, that's not, that looked better, even though it was... It was 12 years ago or whatever. In the Lord of the Rings, because apparently there's only one kind of giant lurking creature that computers can generate. But again, and again, the the effects from Lord of the Rings, which is what, 15, 16 years ago? Look better than Doomsday. I'm just saying, their cave troll looks like the Harry Potter cave troll looked like Doomsday, which really disappointed me, because I was like, we're getting Doomsday. And then the trailer that first showed him, I was like, oh... That's yeah, like Doomsday has has a very particular look to him, and they just ignored all of it. It was weird. It was very strange. I have to admit, um, I actually am am a fan of Zack Snyder's movies. Uh, um, Dawn of the I Dead am, is is great. Uh, I am too. Three hundred, three hundred hasn't hasn't uh, aged well, but I liked it no. when it came out. But uh, when it came I, out. It nobody's ever seen amazing. it before, right? Right. And, and nobody had ever seen the feat of, of stretching a 20-minute movie into a full solid hour and a half, hour 45 minutes, through the use of slow-mo exclusively. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Each person uh, but got like, his own combo, too. <laughs> so, but... So it meant I liked it though, and then and then uh, uh, and then Watchmen. Uh, you know, take it or leave it. Watchmen is actually it's one uh, of my favorite movies. For a three-hour movie, it's it was the best adaptation of that book that we were going to get. I think it is solid. Uh, also written by somebody that I've worked with, uh, David Hayter, who uh, did a great job adapting it into a three-hour film. I mean, hold on. Huh? Is this the same David Hayter that Solid Snake? What? David Hayter. What is about he, Solid Snake? Is he also a voice actor? No, I don't think so. He's a director. He and a, and a writer of of comic booky things. He did like X two. Yeah, he wrote X Men two and. Uh, uh, I mean, maybe he does voice work. I don't know. <laughs> well, because <laughs> you know, in the Metal Gear franchise, Snake is done by David Hayter, and he actually works on other stuff other than video games. Well, let's take two seconds and look this up, shall we? Hang on a second. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and Google him. H-A-Y-T-E-R. H-A-Y. Yep, David Hayter Watchman. Uh, let's look at his IMDb. I'm pretty sure you're friends with... So- Son of a bitch, he is. You're friends with Solid Oh my god, Snake. it is too. Yeah, and I don't... Yeah, that's not fair. I didn't know that. 
Wow, I learned something today. Yeah, he is the voice of Snake in Metal Gear. He is one of my that's, video game heroes of all time. That's hysterical. I need that's to... Uh, I love his voice. Uh, not to not to put too fine a point on it or anything, but and or to speak out of turn or anything like that. But he and I may be speaking uh, shortly about something. So <laughs> that's all I can say. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, it's really just more of a he wants to get my opinion on something. But that's you know, still you never know what these things lead to, right? So, um, well, I mean, you know, if you could get him to maybe just record a thing as Snake for a second and just let me listen to it, that'd be great. Well, we're going to talk on the phone, uh, and then I am going to be getting my podcast up and running again at some point or another. Uh, I go, I go down. My shows go down for Christmas uh, in a couple of weeks, so I'm hopefully going to get gotcha. a couple. Uh, I've got some. I've got some people lined up, which is cool. So, did you um, work on this giant crossover? Uh, I did. I did boards for the Flash part of it and the Supergirl part of it. Nice. Yeah. The uh, there's a there's a huge. Uh, action set piece in 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 the Supergirl episode that I that I storyboarded uh, in a very because there was so much involved in it I had to storyboard it in a very rough capacity I usually like to put a little polish on my boards and I just did not have time to do that <laughs> really, it was so big. Uh, but it was but it was fun yeah it was uh, I mean I don't even the best part is is that I, I I know what happens and I read the script for the first part and the second part I have no idea what happens in the rest of it so. Nice. I'll actually watch it and enjoy it. Yeah, I mean that—that's their big yearly. Every, I, it's just cool to watch it get bigger and bigger each year. Like it's kind of insane how big it is. The stable, <laughs> yeah. They they did a picture of everybody that's going to be a part of this, and I'm like, good God Almighty. Yeah. Well, here's that's a here's whole the lot of see. Okay? All right. So these people are nuts. The people who do who created this thing and decided to do this thing are nuts. Okay, and I can say this in a, in a good hearted. Uh, they're not actually nuts. They're very they're ambitious. Let's say that mm-hmm. uh, kind of a way. Because last year, when we were doing the the, the crossover with the Dominators and the Invasion, uh, sharing those actors to do these parts was probably the biggest headache of the whole process. Because you have these shows where normally it's just this handful of people are on this one show, and then you know this other handful of people are on this other show. But meanwhile, and then you've got at the same time we're shooting three, four episodes. I mean, Supergirl wasn't involved, so we'll we'll sort of take her out. Right. But we were shooting, we were shooting three episodes of television that had all of these people in it for every, and but they're all shooting at the same time. Like it's not like they shoot one and then they shoot the next one and then they shoot the other one. They're, they're all three of these shows were shooting at the same time. So, for example, oh. Melissa Benoist would be would be over would would be over on Supergirl on Monday in the morning and then have to go over to Legends of Tomorrow with everybody else for the second half of the day. It was crazy, right? Like the scheduling, you can imagine the work that the ADs are doing to make this work, right? And so now we've got all of those same people, plus more, four episodes of television, and that's not enough, doppelgangers. Seriously? So Melissa's not only not only well you've seen the ads right I mean yeah I have these I, mean, the, I just didn't realize so I, I think seen... like they did like the Supergirl one and you know the cameos would come in and they do a day of filming get their little parts done and then they do the Flash and whoever was cameoing in for the Flash's part would come in for the day that I didn't realize that this was like 
One every, big giant conjunction shoot. <laughs> every, just just about, I mean, there are obviously there are parts where this is not the case, but just about everybody is involved in everything. <laughs> it was just crazy. It was really ambitious. Plus, you get more than one person of these actors playing more than one person also. Right, so, yeah. Like it's madness. Hooray. And they did it. They, they, they fucking pulled it off. I think it's going to be insane. It's going to be crazy. I'm excited. I hope I, ha- I hope I haven't said too much. Don't, don't post this until the air, okay? <laughs> no, yeah, no. I can hold. I can hold it until you say whenever. Uh, no, I haven't said too much. They've shown. They've shown the doppelgangers on the commercials, right? No. I'm pretty sure they have. Well, it wasn't one I've watched. <laughs> that, that, that was new to me. I mean, forget we, we just I, watched the Flash tonight, and any of the crossover stuff. They didn't have anything with doppelgangers in it, and I didn't see anything last week either. Oh really? Okay. Well, yeah. Let's uh, let's hold off hold on this one. Unless you unless you happen to find a trailer that has that has some of the some of the some of the doppelgangers in it. When, I'll in tell you case, what. Oh. If I see a doppelganger on a CW commercial, I'll run it. If not, we'll wait. Yeah. Okay. There you go. It's next week, anyways, right? So it's yeah. Fine. Exactly. I can have it. Not that big a deal. I could put it up next weekend. All right. Cool. Very good. And that gives <laughs> people time to watch it when it comes out, or go to their DVR and watch it before you know. Whatever. Yeah, true, true. All right, cool, cool. So, so you are you? Are you is it still going to be the? Was it was it was Ace the Cloak, right? Yeah, it was Ace the Cloak. Um, are you going to bring that back, or are you just going to do a whole new one? Um, it's a good question. I haven't thought it through yet. I mean, I guess Ace the Cloak just because it's 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 whatever my slight brand was. <laughs> Right. I mean, what did I get? Thirteen episodes in the can. That was pretty, pretty good, actually. Uh, but I mean, anybody who's who who did listen to it uh, will know it by that name. So I guess I'll probably stick it. I'll stick with it. Okay. Well, like I said, yeah. you know, I mean, if you need, if you, if you want somebody to be on there with you, um, I'm pretty sure I could stay professional for certain people that might be on there. Um, if oh, I'm, not, sure, I'm you sure. know. You- I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could. You could just hear me hyperventilate and be like, nope, bad idea. And, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to quietly mute you. Uh, you can talk as much as you want. Um, no, it was cool. I mean, I got to meet so many cool people that I still uh, that I still sort of follow and talk with on a regular basis on uh, on Twitter and stuff like that. So it's like, See, that's you know, me too. it's pretty cool. It's, yeah, I mean, I'm missing, I'm missing uh, that part of it since I stopped doing it. So uh, I think I'm probably going to, I'm going to keep going. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, just a couple days ago, I had, um, you know, the the husband and wife showrunner team of X-Men the Animated Series on again for the second time, because they just put out that book previously on, um, you know, a hardcover book all behind the scenes and what it was like to make it and everything else. And, you know, they've been on before. I've had you on before. Um, I talk frequently with Mr. Dodd. Um, up Canada, uh, Canada way, he was um, the voice of Wolverine in X Men. Oh yeah, series. right, right. And right. I actually talked to him more offline than I did with the one episode. Like, I mean, I I look at my wife sometimes, and she's like, "What?" And I'm like, "I'm talking to Wolverine on, on his personal number, texting back and forth, and he has a nickname for me, which is Jason instead of Jason." And I'm like, "My childhood Wolverine." talks to me all the time 
and like that's pretty that's pretty cool. I have a I have a similar story actually because I'm actually the last time I was uh, the last time uh, Kevin Smith was up here working, uh, he uh, asked me if you know when after he went back if if I wanted to uh, storyboard uh, his new movie that he's doing, and I was like, yeah, of course I do. What do you what are you, what are you crazy? <laughs> of course I do. Uh, and as a result, like in order to communicate with him, he gave me his phone number, like so that so that we. You okay? <laughs> right, exactly. That's just like one of those like what my life yeah. just took a awesomely weird turn. Yeah, and so now I totally abuse the privilege and I send him shit all the time. So <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, hey, I just drew this really cool frame of the elongated man. You want to see it? And I, I, but I, would, I don't even give him the choice. I just send it. I just I drew this thing. I thought you might like it. <laughs> He seems gracious enough to be more than cool with it, though. He's totally, he's totally cool. Yeah, he's totally cool. Yeah, he's I mean, one I, of my, I, uh, he's one of my bucket list. If this, you know, if I could ever get him on the show, like that would be amazing. I wouldn't yeah, even know how to go about asking or who to ask because of who he is. I doubt I could just be like, hey, let me just reach out on Twitter with his whatever million followers. I'm sure he'll see the one-line invite in the midst of people talking to him constantly on social media. Well, let's just, well, let me also, like, let me just say this, too, like, uh, not the last time, but the time before that he was in town, I was just like, hey, I just started this podcast, and, you know, I mean, you've got an open invitation to be on it, like, whenever you're, whenever you're able to do it, and he was just like, no problem, totally, we'll totally do that, and, uh, that's awesome. uh, it hasn't happened yet, so... Yeah, I not mean, say, like, not to say that he was like trying to like blow and smoke up my ass or anything like that, but I'm just saying he's, he's hard to nail down. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, there, you know, you you have those dream guests. Like, um, I okay, so you know how Grant and Tom made an indie movie? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of the production assistants or one of the producers on that. Um, I think she spoke a little out of turn. Um, I'm not going to name names because I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but she, um, they had the Indiegogo campaign for it, and I reached out and said, hey, I would love to help in any way I can because, you know, I actually, I've backed a couple campaigns for different things and used the show to drum up more people to be aware of it, and da 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 and it's fun to get in on the ground floor with something and show somebody that you're willing to put a little money down toward their project because then... You know what I mean? Like, it just shows yeah, that totally. you actually do care. You're not just trying to get a podcast episode out of somebody. You actually give a crap about what they create. Um, and she was like, I can get Tom or Grant or Tom and Grant to come on the show. If you, you know, if you become a donor and you do, so I backed the campaign at a pretty hefty level and da 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 da. And then the emails came in like, well, what dates do you have? And I gave her dates. And then it just like completely fell apart, apart because I'm pretty sure she said to just back this campaign and she could do this thing. And I don't think she asked either one of them because everything was always like, well, Grant's here, Grant's here, Grant's here, Grant's here. Because Grant did the Flash, then he, with you guys up in Canada, and then he came down to Atlanta to shoot a movie, and then he went to do something else, and then he had to be back for the Flash. And then Tom Cavanaugh, he bounces all over the place because he's constantly doing something. So she kind of like promised I'd get this podcast episode. And after a month, I literally just stopped pestering her because I was like, you know what? I'm, it's it's obviously not going to happen. Well, this but is, it was, this you is know, like she was right? like, here, like, if you donate at this level, it'll show that you care, and then I can get them on the show, and we can do da da da. So I backed it, got yelled at for spending money without asking, 
And, yeah. and then, like, I think she made the promise without actually asking them, hey, do you want to do this little guy in George's podcast? <laughs> so she was like, hey, do this thing, give us all this money, and then we'll get him on. And then it was just like, burp. <laughs> it just, like, died. Yeah, no, it's, and you could tell she it's felt It's weird, bad. right? Like, because yeah, it was, like, which, long which is... emails where she was just over-explaining why it wasn't happening. And that's why I just, like, let it go and left her alone. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Well, it's interesting too, right? Like, I mean, I'm I'm in, I'm lucky in that I'm I mean, I find myself in situations like where I was talking with with Tom, for example, because he was directing an episode, so we were working together, and oh, so cool. you know, when he works, when he directs, and and we're working together, he, like he literally like, said to me at, at one point, it's just like this was very shortly after we met. It was very, it was kind of weird, <laughs> but it was just like uh, we were talking, we were shooting the shit one day, we were talking about revisions and stuff, and he's just like, but you're gonna hang out, right? I was just like, well, I mean, I got some work to do. And he's just like, yeah, but you're going to hang out for a bit, right? Because it's better when you're around. <laughs> I'm like, what? That's, that's ridiculous. That's pretty awesome, dude. And he's just like, yeah, no, I just didn't like your energy and stuff. And I'm just like, all right, that's, well, thanks. I appreciate that. And uh, and so he's going to be on the podcast as well. But it's just a matter of, like, nailing them down. I mean, these are people that they work super long hours and they're always running around doing, like, to some city or another, either doing convention mm-hmm. appearances or, or, or even just going back home to be with his wife. I mean, you know what I mean? Like... And you don't want to you don't want to be too pushy or too too. And that's why like, I let it go completely. I, that's what I was gonna yeah. say. That's why I'm never pushy with anybody. Like you yeah, know, so, like when you and I set, set up that first thing, everybody always asks, "Well, what time and when do you record?" My answer is always, "When you have time," because you're giving me your time to come on the show. You know, I'm. Yeah, and if you can do that, that 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 that's very helpful. I mean, for me, right. I can be all like, "Yeah, let's do Wednesday at two o'clock," and I'll be like, "Wednesday at two o'clock, I need to go into a meeting now." Sorry. <laughs> right, so it's exactly. Kind of, it's kind and of weird. You know me. I'm like, and I had to kind of give it. And I'm always like, "Well, okay, well, just tell me when." I'm never like, "Well, you said." I'm always okay. That's fine. You know, as soon as yeah. you can, and I've so been I'm, like that with everybody because everybody always asks, "Well, what uh, what day and what time do you record?" And I'm like, I always let the guest pick. Always. It's so funny. So many people do it at a, at a regular time, and I'm just wondering if that's probably a, a better idea. <laughs> the other problem with that is the only time that I can commit to is weekends, and 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 weekends like people don't want to record on weekends very often. So see, and that's usually me. I always try to shoot for a weekend because I work 40 hours during the week. I've got two kids. You know, like we we've, we've got we've got a full home routine going. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's either know. it's either you know at one o'clock at night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or yeah. So yeah, no, it's interesting. It's hard to. It's a hard thing, especially when you're just doing it by yourself, too, right? I mean, like, uh, but yeah, it's fun though. I mean, I, I actually, I, I do kind of miss it because I do, I do just, I like just kind of shooting the shit. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's my favorite part. Like it's yeah, like talking about stuff that that I adore with people who either make it or love it as much as I do. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's fun. Yeah. That's why I always, I always like sort of went out of my way to, to not really prepare too much because I know that I, like, I mean, I, I have, I'm a pretty good conversationalist just in general. So, you know, I'll have a, a list of questions or a list of like things somebody's worked on or something like that. But for the most part, I just like the, I like the conversation to just go where it goes, uh, which is, which is dangerous sometimes because I, I've had a couple of, uh, situations where they, you know, people answer questions and it's just like, and then they're done talking. You're just like, Oh, uh, let me, uh, <laughs> sure, so, um... <laughs> you know, I've never written a question down. And then he had that out after. Ever. Right, like, I don't think I've ever actually written a question down, but it's, uh, but I will have, like, 
I'll have their IMDb open, or I'll have their, you know, oh, like a Wikipedia definitely. article, or like a list of their things. And oh, you worked on Green Lantern. How was that for, you know, whatever. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, literally, you can just go, oh, you worked on this thing. How was that? <laughs> and then, right. Then, you know, you, know what? you actually get like a way, way, right? you get way better stories if you don't do it like an interview. Because most people, they do press junkets all the time. So there's like 18,000 questions that they've heard 18,000 times. I like yeah. getting... And I, just, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be Joker, Joker number four, who, who's at, or 45, who's asked, so what was it like working with so-so? Were they, what kind of a director were they? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, boring, right? Exactly. Tell me a story about something that happened one day on set. Tell me that, you know? Well, I mean, I've had guests on for being and stuff and then completely forgot to talk about that stuff until the end where you're like, oh, crap. Oh, my God, I've totally done that. <laughs> You're like, we were supposed to talk about that thing. Like, I had, I had uh, uh, Kevin McNally on. He's been in every Pirates of the Caribbean movie. We never talked about it. Wow, We talked really? about the fact that he's writing his first sci-fi book that may already be out because this was in the summer, and that he was getting ready to go be King Lear at the Globe Theater. in Like, at Shakespeare's oh, actual nice. theater, he was getting ready to play King Lear. And I had him on to talk about The Turn, you know, the show The Turn Washington Spies that was on AMC. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right. we talked about that for about three minutes, talked about Pirates of the Caribbean once in like a throwaway, and the rest of it was about his son was getting ready to play his first gig with his band, uh, what it was like to write a book for the first time, and how much we both loved Walter Matthau. That's cool. That's cool. We talked more about Turner Classic Movies than the movies the man was actually in. Oh, I remember what, yeah, my example was when uh, Mark Guggenheim was on, that whole thing with uh, uh, the X-Men Gold artist sneaking uh, messages into the art had come oh, out and stuff. yeah. And I was just like, so before we got started, I was just like, now, do you want me to stay away from that? And he was just like, no, it's all good. And I was just like, okay, we'll probably come around to it at the end or whatever. And by the time we were done, it was just like, no, fuck, nope. <laughs> nope, no time. <laughs> just didn't even come up. We talked about the book, but only about the good things about the book. So <laughs> Right, which I mean... One artist did something douchey in one issue. Yeah, it was quite a, it was quite a thing for a while. The book's amazing, so I mean, you know, exactly. all I did was pump that like, book up. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it continues to be, by the way. Uh, speaking of which, uh, uh, X Men Gold Annual, which is coming out in January, uh, uh, written by Leo Williams, uh, at least part of it, uh, and Mark Guggenheim, uh, is uh, a throwback. Uh, it's going to have Excalibur in it. The cover by Alan Davis with modern day Excalibur on the cover. Like I didn't even know my really? my brain. Yeah, my brain has exploded because Excalibur was probably my favorite book for for most of its run. And uh, uh, man, this whole this whole X Men Gold thing has just been a throwback to exactly when I read comics uh, and and X Men comics in particular. And and it's a really it's been a really nice love letter to the whole to the whole era of X Men comics uh, in, in the nineties with you know, I may Jim have to Lee. Get in on that, then. you know what? You really should. I can't recommend the book highly enough. Uh, and you know, I mean, it does. It's no surprise. I mean, Mark Guggenheim and I are essentially a couple of years in, in away from each other in age. You know, uh, we grew up reading the same stuff, and and you can tell in his writing. I mean, it's 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 great. Uh, yeah, my first book. real investment into the X-Men was the reboot with Lee and Claremont. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was fantastic. That was great stuff. Everything leading up to that is amazing, too. If you go back, 
I don't know, probably about five or six years leading up to with uh, Mark Silvestri doing the yes. art and like all of that stuff. So good. Like all of that stuff is just so good. Oh, I got to go back and reread all that shit now. <laughs> I know. I actually, uh, I have a bunch of back issues and stuff that I found that were getting sold for like almost nothing. And I think I picked up the entire Age of Apocalypse universe for like 20 bucks. In individual wow. issues, like that was one of the, that was one of those ones that was a little little hard for me to get through the whole Age of Apocalypse thing. I, I like parts it. of it. I dug it. Yeah. I know that that one had the Excalibur word. Um, Nightcrawler was leading it. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. And then they gave Gambit his own team. It was what Gambit and the Externals. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Uh huh. Yeah, like, and then what? They had a uh, Weapon X, which was Wolverine was actually with Jean Grey. Cyclops yep. was working for Apocalypse. Wolverine only had one hand. Cyclops only had the one eye. See, I do like the alternate reality stuff. So I mean, the, there's that. I guess I've just never, I've never really liked Apocalypse as a villain that much. So it kind of didn't. No, it, it, it wasn't even so much about him. It was all the different weird fallout in that universe. Yeah, the fact that he won was like. It set up yeah. all these, you know, I mean, basically Cyclops was like the Fabian Cortez to, you know, Apocalypse, if, if you switched out Apocalypse and Magneto. Pretty I mean, much, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was basically just, you know, Apocalypse had his own acolytes. Interesting. I might have to go back and read that, too. Eh, Watching never... Wolverine kill Fabian Cortez was probably one of the most pivotal moments in the comic book for me as a kid, anyway. <sighs> That's fair. That's fair. All right. I mean, I say I'm probably gonna. I got. I got to go back and reread it, but I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna do it. I'll, I'll be honest. I actually I'll, think I'll that's in one of the old annuals. It was one of the ones. You know, the X Men infiltrate um, Asteroid M, and Fabian Cortez like just finished uh, torturing a young mutant to death, like a teenager, like a kid, and he's like standing over his body and da 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 da, and all you hear is snicks from behind him. And then in the next panel, it's literally just three claws going up from his groin to his heart. Oh, gross. And I right, but uh, you know, like as like eleven, twelve, thirteen, whatever. Because I'm thirty six, so the nineties, I was just coming into being a teenager. Like that came out, and I was like, oh, he gutted him like a fish. Yeah, yeah. And it was that good always pouring all over when the Magneto <laughs> ripped all the antimanium out of Wolverine's body. Like I just remember those panels. The artwork and the level of detail in them were just, you know, stunning. Yeah, see, now I know because it's it's the shit. It's the shit that uh, uh, as soon as they took the the, the metal out of uh, Wolverine's bones, I was just like, no, bone claws, no, no, that's bullshit. I'm sorry, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't get behind bone claws. I can't. I can't. Well, you can't slice people with bone claws. They would just break like- off. Uh, also, Steps if you go back uh, far enough into the into X Men stuff, where there's like X rays of Wolverine housing that the claws are in in these X rays, like I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, I I just thought it was kind of crazy. The first time he fights afterwards, he fights Sabretooth, and he's got the bone claws out, and Sabretooth literally just steps on him and shatters all six of them. See, right? I hate it. I hate and it. Then I hate owns it. the crap out of him for the rest of that fight. Wolverine has never been the same ever since they did all that shit to him. Well, first of all, he became a bit too much of a lead character for me. But, uh, uh, yeah. you know, like when they started giving him his, his own series and stuff like that, it's just like, nah, I don't know. You know, I loved him in the X-Men. I loved him in Claremont's X-Men and stuff. But when they started when he started doing solo adventures, I cared a lot less. It was weird. 
I love Wolverine. Don't get me wrong. I, I absolutely love him, but just within a certain sort of confine of, <laughs> of where he should exist. I actually found an old um, Wolverine solo book, um, and it was before all that craze. This is like maybe 1990, so it was before the reboot. It was before the cartoon, and it was before the movies that made him like the only X-Men that everybody knows now. Um, it was like a one-off book, and I think it was done by Simonson and um, Mag- Magnola. Min- How do you say the Hellboy artist's last name? I always get it screwed I, up. I say Magnola in my head, I, although it's probably Mignola. That's what I think it is. But yeah, it's like a one-off um, mini graphic novel. I mean, it's got a cardstock cover, but it's not the size of a graphic novel. And it's like Simonson and him did like this. Oh. Yeah, it's really cool. And oh, it's that's old. Cool. It's like before the whole Wolverine craze. This was just like some solo book that they did together. Oh, I might have to check that out. It's pretty cool. I mean, I've never seen it before, so like I saw it, and they were selling it for like a dollar fifty, and I was like, "Done, sold. I'll take it. I'll I'll take it." Uh, cool, right on. Uh, there was a really great uh, uh, in in Wolverine's uh, initial run of his solo book. There was a really cool uh, uh, three issue arc. I want to say with uh, art by I think it was written by and art pencils by uh, John Byrne. And then it was inked mm-hmm. by Klaus Janssen, which you'd think would be a weird matchup for John Burns' art because Burns' art tends to be really clean and Janssen tends to be a little scribbly. Uh, fantastic, though. Really good. <clears throat> really good stuff. I know I have... And I can't I, remember what it was about. There might be some spore creature or something. I can't remember exactly. I think I know what you're talking about. I actually used to collect the Wolverine book. Um, I know I still have the issue where he kills Sabretooth with the Miramasa blade. And then I think oh, wow. I have the issue where he killed his son, Damien, because they gave him a son for some reason. They gave Wolverine a son? Yeah, he had a son named Damien. And then <laughs> uh, it was before X-23. Oh, okay. A, yeah, yeah. Clone. It, it was like an actual like legitimate son. Wow, all right. He was annoying. Fuck. He was as I don't annoying have as Damien Wayne. Yeah, why is everybody named Damien? What's up with that? What's going <laughs> Right, and why are all your kids just giant a-holes? Ah, uh, fuck, you get it. They need some parenting. That's the problem. See, like, Wolverine had bad arts. parents. Batman had bad parents. Uh, or no parents, I guess. Uh, <laughs> of, course, of course they're going to raise terrible kids. I mean, that's how, that's how it works. I don't know. There's some storylines where Damien Wayne works, and then there's other storylines where I'm like, just somebody shoot him in the forehead. Yeah, no, totally. I, I'm not. I'm not uh, upset that they they killed him off, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. But then in the in the comics in the Injustice universe, um, he's on the side opposite his dad, and he kills Nightwing by making Nightwing like stumble backwards. And so basically, Dick Grayson falls down like a dork. And breaks his neck on a rock. What? There's not even a fight. That's uh, that's terrible and ridiculous. He, like, trips Dick Grayson, and he literally snaps... You know, like, the end uh, uh, Million Dollar Baby where she goes down and hits her head on the stool? Yeah. 
yeah, they do that to Dick Grayson. Just take out Nightwing with no fight. He falls well, down and then I would have on a rock. With it. Wow. <laughs> I read that okay. and was like, nah, this this comic book line is not for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, Put terrible. down injustice to All right. it. I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy, I gotta go. Alright, man. I'll reach out. Uh yeah, totally. Uh uh looking forward to are you you're gonna cobble these two pieces together, are you? Yeah, I'm going to figure out a clever way. I might segue and be like, and here's the other part. But I'll come up with a way to make it all mesh together, and I'll have it out. Uh, I'll make sure to take my time to edit it, and then we'll put it out next week. That that way, just in case there's no spoilers for this crossover thing with the CW. All right, that sounds cool. Here, let's do a little, uh, let's do a little uh, random sort of laughing and stuff you can use to string it together. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Hey, say hey. <laughs> I know, oh, it's crazy, right? That's clever. Hey, say have you seen have you seen Justice League? There you go. See, we're perfect. There you go. <laughs> there you go, man. You can use that. You can use that. It'll be perfect. I'm keeping that in. Well, you got to yeah, move it into the middle though so that it bridges everything together. I want to make it to where it's slightly disturbing. Yeah, just mix up all the words. Have me say things like I'm going to murder people. It's uh, it'd be great. Uh, all right. <laughs> Uh, all right, buddy. This was fun as always. Uh, I will definitely have you on mine when we're uh, when we're up and running. And if you want me uh, to pick a particularly cool guest, I'll let you know who I've got on. Okay, dude. Awesome. Totally. All right. I'll see, I'll as, see as soon as I got this edited, I'll give you links you can do with it as you will, and then I won't release it out on anything for me until uh, next week. Right on. Cool, man. All right, dude. Thanks, pal. Talk to you later. Yeah, man. Cheers. Later. Thanks.